As a driven dentist, you see the world differently. Where some see scarcity, you see abundance. When others want to give up, you keep going. You're building an amazing life of significance. That means you can't rely on ordinary advice from ordinary advisors to get to your goals. You want advice that's going to help maximize your net worth so you can take even better care of the people you love, the causes you care about, and make your dent in the universe. But the fact is, this advice remains hidden because relatively few professionals are well-versed in them, and the extremely affluent don't care to let you know about them. Join us as we pull back the curtain to reveal the often hidden advice and strategies used by today's most successful individuals and families. Welcome to Dental Wealth Nation. Here's your host, Tim McNeely. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Dental Wealth Nation. And wow, am I excited to, to have you here today. Now, I don't know about you, but oftentimes dental and your dental practice and the, and the job you have, it can create just a little tiny bit of stress. And today we want to fix that for you. We really want to help you move from feeling stressed and overloaded to being a savvy dentist. And by the time we finish today, you're going to know how to really transition from having a job in your practice to actually owning your practice and having it work for you. You're going to have some new insights and strategies that really help you think strategically about your business and your practice. But most importantly of all, you're going to feel curious about all the possibilities that are in front of you, and you're going to be more excited about your future than ever before. And today, we have a fantastic guest. We've got Dr. Jesse Green. He's literally in a dental practice, another dentist just like you, and he knows the ins and outs of really running a successful business and helping you create a business and a life that you love. Dr. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Tim. It's a real thrill to be here. So thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah, I absolutely thrilled and super excited to, to learn from you. And, you know, give, give us just a little bit of background of who you are and how you got started. Well, uh, like everyone else on this, uh, who's watching this, I'm a dentist by profession. I um, was, you know, a dental student like everyone else, went through university like everyone else. But Prior to that, I was uh, in high school. I was at boarding school, which meant I, I'd left home very early and had my first business experience when I was at boarding school. Uh, I started a small business in the dormitory. I'd love to say it was as successful as other dormitory-based businesses, you know, Facebook and the like, but it wasn't. Um, but I, I learned a lot about business at that time, and that's when I really figured out that I enjoyed that a great deal. And, and then going through dentistry, I was able to enjoy both the clinical side of dentistry, of course, and, and then the business side of dentistry. So I was a Navy dentist for a long time. I graduated and had a scholarship to the Navy. I spent a lot of time there at sea, going around on various different ships, doing things. Had the opportunity to you know, manage small uh, health centres, then larger health centres, then big health centres, and, and then ultimately moved into private practice and, and um, have, have made that transition pretty well from there. So, so going into private practice for the, the first time, what was your experience really walking into, into your first practice? Well, it was a bit nerve-wracking, to be honest with you. I was so used to military-based dentistry. I was used to the fact that you know, when you told someone they needed a crown, they just said, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir, and off they went. Uh, and so I had to relearn a few things. So it was a little bit daunting because I wasn't used to asking for money. I wasn't used to uh, having to, you know, talk to people about different treatment options other than the best treatment option. And so all of those things were learning experiences. And 
I had a, some really good mentors throughout my life in a business sense and in a dental sense. And so, you know, I was guided through that process and, um, and, and again, you know, I managed to pick up the, the lessons along the way and, and build on it. But, yeah, I was, I was initially very daunted but then really came to love it and enjoy it and, and, and that's what I help other people do now is, you know, love and enjoy their business too. So, right, kind of once again, going, going back to just, you know, kind of being overwhelmed and like you said, learning how to you know present treatment plans instead of just hearing a, a yes, sir or no, sir. You know, did you have to start developing systems or, or a new framework or a different way of thinking about your practice? Yeah, I really did. And it's funny, Tim, because I've thought a lot about business, a lot about practice, and, and those thoughts started way back then and they've obviously evolved. And what I realized back then in that first practice that I had is I had a what I'd call a profitable style practice. We'd master ca- cash flow, we'd able to pay the bills, keep the doors open. But what ended up happening when I first went into practice is I was busy doing dentistry throughout the day. So 8.30 to 5 o'clock or 5.30, I was seeing patients. So I was generating personal exertion income and then I had to do the business-related things mm. outside of that. So, you know, the patients would leave and then I'd sit down and do my paperwork or I'd go home and I'd take the payroll home to do or something of that nature. And what ended up happening, Tim, is I got tired. I, I, you know, I was making great. My accountant loved me, by the way. My accountant thought I was going really well because we were making good money. But I was, I was stressed out. I was burnt out. And then I started to lose the joy of having my own practice. And, you know, I figured, you know, something had to change. And so, yes, we certainly had to get some systems in place. And the ultimate thing that I guess the thing, Tim, is I've made a few you know, good decisions in my life, some significantly good decisions, but I've also made lots of mistakes in my life. And the first mistake I made with that practice was actually selling it. Hmm. And I was so burnt out, tired, I just didn't want to do it anymore. But if I'd remembered the lessons I'd had from when I was 17 and I had that first business, in that first business, I'd learned about leverage, I'd learned about systems, I'd learned about process, I'd learned about team, I'd learned about selling. All of those things I'd learned as a 17-year-old, I ignored because I followed, in my dental practice, I followed traditional practice management teaching. And that was fine if all you ever wanted to do was, you know, do dentistry from 8.30 to 5 and, you know, run your practice after hours and, and have a holiday every, you know, every year. But that wasn't what I wanted. I wanted to I wanted a life that was beyond the chair. I wanted to see my kids. I wanted to see my wife. And and I was missing all of that. Yeah. Well, right. And there's still a lot of that that, that really goes around today in, in dentistry. And right, a, a lot of people feel stuck or they decide to sell their practice and they, they want to, you know, go work for a you know major company out there doing dentistry because they, they want to unload kind of the, the headaches of, of running business. And so, you know, how did you start on this path of really transforming from, and I loved what you said, you called it personal, you know, exertion, right? Business, yeah. right? The, the, the money you had to actually work for, as opposed to money that you received by owning a business. So, so how do you start making that, that transition personally for yourself? Well, Tim, what I came to realize is there's really three kinds of dental practice. There's a profitable business, a scalable business, and then ultimately a valuable business. So, when I figured that out, I realized that working harder you know, on an old business model wasn't going to help me get there. So it wasn't a matter of working more. It was just a way of reorganizing how I work. 
But between a profitable business and a scalable business, there's a, a line we've got to cross, and that line is called the leverage line. And it's simple but not easy. We've got to be able to build great systems into our business, operational processes and systems, and where we've got consistency of operation. But we've got to couple those great operational systems with what I call a self-managing team. And a self-managing team is a group of people who buy into the vision of the practice. They get it. They want it. And they're motivated internally and intrinsically to go about doing it. So they've got the skill set, the great culture fit. We're now resourcing them with the operational processes and systems. So my job became, instead of being the dentist looking after patients, my job became the guy that built the operational processes and systems, built a self-managing team, and let them use those resources to take great care of our patients. And when they took care of our patients like that, our patients were happy. They received great clinical care. They received great patient experiences. So our patients were happy. Uh, they paid their bills. They stayed at the practice. They referred others. The business growth uh, continued, and we got into this virtuous cycle. And so when I realized what my role was, was not to be hands-in-mouth clinical dentistry, then it became clear to me what my you know, how I was going to set myself free. And that was by building a team and systems. So again, sounds simple, but it's not easy. And so that was a process. And then of mm -hmm. course, as we wanted to you know, move from scalable to valuable, we needed to understand what drives enterprise value in the dental practice. And really that comes back to, you know, repeatable, sustainable earnings. So we want to keep focus on those earnings and reduce risk in the business. And, and a lot of the risk was around key person. Uh, and so we wanted to consistently reduce key person risk. So that's how we that's how we did it in a nutshell. But it is it's it's an emotional journey too, Tim. It's not just a business journey. It's an intellectual journey. It's an emotional journey. And so there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. Well, right. And sometimes you know it, it, that emotional journey starts when we're feeling those negative feelings, right? We're feeling the stress. We're feeling the overwhelm. Yeah. Because a lot of us don't move out of comfort. We move out of discomfort, right? How many patients do you have call you up saying, "Hey, I feel great today, and I just want to come in and make sure everything's working"? No, people are calling you up when you're in pain, and so unfortunately, that that's the starting point a lot of times of this emotional journey, isn't it? Yeah, 100 million percent, Tim. You, you're absolutely correct. Um, people are far more motivated to move away from pain than they are to move towards comfort. You know, aspirin sells more than vitamins, as we sometimes say. And so, you know, if you've got pain, you're going to do something to relieve that pain. And a lot of dentists are in pain. A lot of dentists are feeling like, you know, I enjoy my clinical work, but I want to have more time. Um, you know, I like the money I make, but I just don't want to work so hard for it. I want to have a bit more balance in my life. And that was, I was in that place too. And so that's what motivated me initially to sell the practice because I couldn't quite see the pathway. But after I'd sold that practice, I started a non-dental business and I relearned all those lessons as a 17-year-old. And then in, in all honesty, I had this face palm moment. I went, oh, duh, I should have done all of that in my first practice. And so when we had our second practice, we engineered it differently. And, uh, and that's what we now teach. So, yeah. But the emotional journey is really important. Yeah. Well, and I want to dive into that here in a second on that emotional journey. But, you know, even kind of going back to, you know, where you were, you mentioned that you'd kind of, you know, done that route of the, that traditional, you know, kind of mm. practice consulting. And, yeah. and how do you differentiate between that that kind of that, that traditional versus really more of, of being that savvy dentist? Well, 
it, it really comes back to applying entrepreneurial thinking to a dental practice. And entrepreneurial thinking isn't unique to you know, Elon Musk or Richard Branson. Entrepreneurial thinking is a way of you know, seeing possibility and, and being able to capitalise on the opportunities. And so traditional practice management is quite dogmatic. You, you, know, you do A and B and C. It's a very paint-by-numbers kind of process. And it leads to a very predictable outcome. And that predictable outcome is you're going to be self-employed in your practice. Uh, you'll make reasonable money, and if you're okay doing that, then that's that's perfectly fine. There's no right or wrong. But if you're like me and you wanted more than that, then you know just following someone else's recipe isn't going to cut it. We need to go back to first principles and understand what the drivers are around that business, and then look at those first principles and apply them to you and your own circumstances in a way that makes sense for you. So we've got to have a really good strategic plan. We've got to know what our outcomes are. It all begins with clarity. If we're not clear about our outcomes, uh, then you know, really it's going to be very hard to go anywhere if we don't know what we're trying to achieve. So clarity is everything. Having the plan in place with milestones and markers to know that we're making progress around that, making sure that we've identified what opportunities might come our way, but equally understanding the risks and things that can derail us is, is key to that strategic plan, of course. We want to be able to build assets into our business, Tim, and I know, you know in the work that you do, you're very uh, keen on building assets. Um, in dental practice, we want to be able to build a handful of different types of assets. We want to build our physical assets, of course, the infrastructure. We want to build our database. Uh, we want to be able to uh, build our goodwill. But we want to be able to build our intellectual property assets as well, those systems and processes I spoke about. But importantly, our job as business owners is to take those assets and convert them to cash flow in the most efficient, leveraged way possible. And so that's really the game is how do we take those assets and turn them into cash flow in the most efficient and leveraged way possible? Okay. So that means we've got to build that self-managing team. We've got to be able to execute on our plans. We've got to use data and analysis as well in that process. Yeah. Well, right. And whereas that traditional consulting may, you know, focus on, hey, you know, let, let's grow your revenues by, you know, 10 or 20% or, right. you know, let, let's make sure your hygiene department's working the way it should, right? It's going to, yeah. like you said, it's <clears> going to be kind of those traditional systems, traditional processes. Yeah. Where, whereas really, you know, kind of that entrepreneurial mindset starts with what are the opportunities? What, what are the things that, that I actually want out of this practice? Because it may not just be top line revenue growth, maybe. I want to take a couple of days off a week for my practice, or, you know, I want to get that additional location, or I want to add new products and services, or, you know, you want to really practice more holistic dentistry where it's not yes. just, you know, you want to start focusing on other areas. And so I think that's kind of the difference too, then it is, is very kind of set methodical versus, Hey, you know, what's your vision? What are you trying to build? Yeah, that's exactly right. Because success is personal, Tim, don't you think? I mean, you know, what you want or what I want or what someone else wants, you know, they could be vastly different for each of us. And so it seems to me that if we've got a cookie cutter approach to practice management, which is the traditional approach, that might be okay for some people who want that particular outcome. But if you fall outside of that and your desires and ambitions aren't aligned with that, then we've got to have a different way. And you're absolutely right. It begins with what you want. And, and I, I couldn't agree more with you. Yeah. Right. And then that, once again, kind of ties back into that that emotional journey piece that, that we're all on, too, because, right, th these are going to be driven by what's important to you. And so, right, that emotional journey, when you first start working with someone, it may be that that stress that may be, you know, overwhelmed or mm -hmm. just, you know, feeling frustrated because you really don't know what to do. And so so what do you really walk through someone with as they start working with you? And what does that journey look like? 
once we've got clarity uh, about what the outcome is and once we've got clarity about what the starting point is and we've got a, a roadmap and a plan in place, the thing where a lot of people come unstuck, Tim, is they're feeling overwhelmed. And, you know, firstly, the overwhelm comes from a lack of clarity of going, I could do this, this, this. But even once they've got that clarity, um, we want to make sure that we're giving them a process uh, and a project to focus on without, you know, giving them 10 projects to focus on. So um, here in Australia at the moment, the Australian Open tennis tournament's being played. And so I'm going to use a tennis metaphor uh, for your audience, but, you know, the ball machines that come at you, you know, those tennis ball machines? Yeah. You know, when you're when you're trying to manage that emotional journey, you don't want to have all those balls firing at you rapid fire. You want to be able to have a ball come to you and volley it away mm. or, or do whatever you want to do. But if you've got 100 things flying at you once, all you want to do is take cover. And when you've got that, you tend to get into, you know, flight, fright, and freeze, uh, fight, flight, and freeze. God, there's the alliteration there. I always get stuck on that. But fight, flight, and freeze. And a lot of people freeze. And so they, they just do nothing. And so what we've got to be able to do is go slow to go fast. We've got to be able to take people on that journey, get their house in order, alleviate some of those immediate stressors so they've got a bit of mental bandwidth to focus on the bigger picture. But I told you about profitable, scalable, valuable before, and, and and Tim, I, baseball is a, is a game that's very popular in your country. And you know, if getting to a profitable style of practice is first base, you know, you've mastered the art of cash flow, there's three other, or the big one, there's three currencies in total that we want to master. We want to master money, of course. We want to master time. But we want to master meaning or, or satisfaction and enjoyment in there as well. And a profitable style of practice has really mastered money and that's it. And so if we want to then move to scalable where we master time as well, we need to understand it's like going from first base to second base. And we can't, we can't go from uh, first to second and, and reach second while keeping a foot on first. So once you've left first and you're not yet on second, it's a bit like being in this no man's land for a little while. So all the emotional stuff comes up. There's that discomfort, a whole lot of work around values, a whole lot of work around, uh, you know, uh, belief structures and systems comes up as well. And we need to support people through that on their journey to second base um, because what most people do in dentistry and in life is they retreat to what their comfort zone is. So they go back to what they know uh, without someone to guide them through to that second base. And that's why so many people get stuck in an operator self-employment type of business because when they try to break out, they experience that uncertainty and that doubt and they run back to what they know, and then they spend the next 40 years on the end of a handpiece. Yeah. You know, right. And I love kind of coming back to the, the baseball analogy, right? I think that last piece was just really personal fulfillment and, and enjoyment. Yeah. Because you can have a highly profitable practice and be miserable. Right? I, I, that, that was my first practice. Yeah. That was my, we made a, a boatload of money, and I was miserable. Um, I, I was the least happy I've ever been, and my wife used to tease me. Uh, going, you're making all this money and, and yet you're miserable. What's going on? And, and it's because you, you're right. You can be well off and unhappy and the fulfillment piece is everything. Yeah. So then kind of moving on to that, that second base and, and the, the scalability or in, in reclaiming your time, you know, yep. I know that may come as a shock to some dentists that they can actually, you know, reclaim time because they're thinking, well, my job's to, I, I got to be in patience. I got to be drilling. That, that's how I get paid. And so what are some mindset shifts around that piece that, that can take place? 
Oh, there's a, there's a lot. Um, so the mindset shifts are really around learning to trust other people to deliver great care on your behalf and not needing to have my identity tied up as being the best clinical dentist that I can be, you know, shifting to myself going, yeah, I'm a great clinical dentist, but I want to be a fantastic business owner. So there's a mindset shift there. There's the mindset shift around leadership. So instead of just having to lead ourselves, we've got to learn to lead our teams. And then we need to lead, learn to develop other leaders within those teams. So we go through a leadership journey. Um, and there's a whole heap in that. But is it okay if I give you, um, a, a, I suppose, a case study or I'm thinking oh, of a client who yeah, might I, illustrate this for you? I, I would love to run through something like that. Well, there's a couple of people that come to mind, but there's a, a lady I was working with uh, a little while ago and she first came to us. Um, she was working four and a half days a week, you know, 46 to 48 weeks of the year, how many days of the year that works out to be, I'm not sure. And she was taking home about 350000 400000 somewhere in around that mark. And she enjoyed her clinical dentistry, just didn't want to do more. And remember I spoke to you earlier about, you know, building a self-managing team and resourcing them with the operational processes and systems. Mm -hmm. That was really the journey that we took her on. And yes, she had to develop her own leadership and, and so on along that as well along that way as well but what ended up happening is she went from working 180 to 190 days a year or something like that earning 350 to 400,000 dollars to working 65 days a year clinically and taking home 1.1 million dollars a year so she literally trebled her take home and reduced her hours by a huge amount and the secret was it was her ability to build and lead a team so she built a recruitment pathway into her practice for all the different roles so whether it's dentists hygienists um, front desk people and so on she was able to successfully build that recruitment pathway so she was able to deal with any staff turnover she built the systems and the processes and she was able to then train and onboard people really effectively and well she developed a leadership team around her so that she wasn't the first point of contact. She was one layer back from everything. And she moved into a CEO role. Hmm. And so, again, it was a process. It wasn't an overnight thing, but it was about understanding how her role was evolving and she was able to move with that very, very well and achieve remarkable results and great results. Now, right when she started working on right being that that better leader and really moving into that that CEO role, were those natural things for her to take on, or was she able to learn those skills? Totally learned skills. Um, there's no such thing as a natural born leader or a natural born entrepreneur. They're all learned skills, and she was just really very good at taking those skills, practicing them, and implementing them. It came back to her ability to execute as well, so she could take the, the training and the teaching that we provided her and implement it very, very well and consistently. And so that was a key thing as well. Yeah, because I know so often, right, we, we you know, we have self-limiting beliefs about ourselves and we may believe, you know, oh, I, I'm just not good at that or I can't do this piece. I, and yeah. there are certain areas that you certainly want to hire and let someone else do. Yeah. But I think what you said is so important, right? A lot of leadership skills, right? No one's a natural born leader. These are things you learn. Yeah. And and so often than not, you know, I, my belief is the, the thing that differentiates successful people from unsuccessful people 
is successful people do what the unsuccessful people don't, right? They, they, yeah. I mean, that that's the secret is you do what everyone else doesn't want to do. You get yep. uncomfortable and you learn these skills. 100%, Tim. Yeah. You're spot on. 100%. And I think, you know, it's about doing that consistently as well. And, um, you know, any success that we've seen with our clients, we've got other clients who have done, you know, bigger results than, than that lady as well. But they've all been willing and able to do the internal work. They've all been willing and able to be uh, open to new ideas and suggestions and not follow the traditional dogma. Uh, and they've been able to imagine a future bigger and brighter for themselves as well and to be excited and emotionally engaged with that future as well. Because if you're not excited about your future or the possibilities, it's hard to kind of... Uh, take someone on that journey if they're not excited for it. But if you've got an ounce of excitement, if you've got an, if there's a little flicker of a flame burning, we want to fan that flame and really ignite people's passion around what they want for their life. And when you've got someone who's passionate and driven, man, you can achieve a lot. Yeah, no, very, very true, right? It's that that passion and drive that that helps fuel your success. And, and so, you know, how can people get in touch with you? How how can we find you? Well, very simply, you can head across to SavvyDentist.com and, and find us there. Um, you can email us hello at uh, SavvyDentist.com or hello at DrJessieGreen.com. Both of those emails will be fine. Uh, or you can find me on Facebook and, and you know come and see us in our Facebook group or just come and say hello and hang out and send me a message. Um, we'd love to catch up with people. Yeah, no, you've got a, a very active Facebook book group you've got a wonderful podcast uh your book is fantastic right retention that really talks about how to you know plug the the profit leak in your your dental practice and and i'll actually i'll put i'll put a link in here so if you want to get a copy of the the first chapter or the workbook you can certainly do that and i'd encourage you to do that it, it's a great resource for you and uh so you know the other thing is right so often you know doctors may never really move from being you know overworked overloaded and like you said, they're just kind of comfortable there. So, so what do you think, you know, really is kind of the catalyst and why some people end up, you know, responding well and reaching out and getting help and, and others don't? It really comes back to a couple of, to, I can think of two really core cool things here, Tim. One is a significant amount of pain. Something changes that causes them pain. It could be a life event. It could be, um, you know, changing. They could have had kids. They could have had uh, a sickness. Um, they might have realized that they've injured their hand or something like that. I broke my hand as a young dentist and mm. that was a, a wake-up sign. Or it could be you know, something else that's happened that's caused them some pain to reevaluate their life and wonder, is this really the best path for me? Or alternatively, it's going to come back to that passion, that drive, that vision for what they want to achieve in their life and, and they're excited. So they're either going to move away from pain or move towards something really exciting. Now, typically, it's the pain that drives people most, but it, it is also the vision as well. And a combination of them is, is fantastic. But if there's someone who's sitting there who's going, you know what, I'm just okay. I'm, I'm, I'm happy enough. I'm not in pain. And I'm, I'm content enough. I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, you know, I'm just kind of going along. Then, you know, for those people, they're, they're probably quite happy to continue to do what they do. And, and that's okay too. That's okay yeah. too. But for those people that want to create a true business and they've got a vision for what they want in their life, doing dentistry nine to five, drilling, filling and billing you know, for 40 years will create a lifestyle, but it won't create a business. Yeah. 
Well, right. And, and even kind of coming back to, to creating a business, right? That's going to be driven by you. It doesn't mean you have to have 75 practices and a major DSO. It can yeah. just be one really highly profitable practice that that's scalable, that you that that's a lifestyle practice that allows you to practice dentistry and still have time away to spend with your family and people you love. So it really does start with what your vision of the business should look like. Yes. Again, Tim, you're 100% correct. And, you know, if you're clear about what your goals are, whether it's, you know, you want to earn a certain amount of money working a certain number of days, doing so on and so forth, then you want to pick the simplest business model possible in order to achieve it. Why introduce complexity into your life if you don't need to? You know, I've got clients who run multiple practices, mini DSOs, larger groups of that as well. But some of our most profitable and scalable practices are a large single practices. You know, they might have 12 chairs under one roof, for example, and they're getting great leverage through that. They're making millions of dollars a year in profit. They're not working many clinical hours uh, by choice. Um, and that's great. And so, again, I think you're right. It's about knowing what your outcome is and choosing the business model that's going to help you achieve that outcome as quickly as possible, as simply as possible, as safely as possible. And not getting caught up with someone else's definition of what success could be, should be, must be, is again really key. Yeah, that's one of the lessons I learned the the hard way. So you know, I'm, I'm married to a dentist, and 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 I like to joke. 15 years ago, when I knew everything, <laughs> you know, I you know, I've met my wife, and I had great plans for her practice. I was going to get that thing just absolutely performing as best as possible. But it turned out that's not what she wanted. Yeah. And so, you know, years of marriage has mellowed me out. And 15 years later, I realized I actually don't know everything. Surprise, surprise. But she couldn't be happier in her practice now because it's it's what I call Dana-sized, right? She's in her little practice, her little boat. She's floating along and she's happy, right? She makes a difference for her patients, has time off, gets to enjoy the things that are important to her. And she's happier doing that than if she had four times the revenue. And so I think that personal definition of success is so important because don't compare yourself to others, right? I, another mistake I used to make and right. We're all happier when you've got a vision of your success, not someone else's. Tim, I, I was very, very close to my uh, grandmother and she was one of those people in my life who was incredibly influential. And she always used to say to me, Jesse, comparison either makes you feel superior or inferior and neither is helpful. Yeah. And so I think if everyone can be clear about what their definition of success is, um, then, you know, I think uh, I think that's a really good starting point. Yeah. Well, hey, this has been a great conversation. I, I know I'm certainly excited about the, the future of dentistry and practices. And and I'm still convinced this is one of the greatest professions on the face of the planet because you can really create your own future. But before we sign off here, any closing thoughts for us? I think there's a lot of opportunity at the moment. I think we are living through a period of immense opportunity. I think there's never been a better time to build a dental practice. There's never been a better time to take that journey from self-employment to business ownership, if that's the journey you want to go on. Uh, and I would say to all those people who are interested in doing that, you know, I think now's the time. Uh, you've got a, a really good window um, and let's, let's get onto it. So... I'd encourage everyone to really think big and, and dream big dreams. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I couldn't agree with you more. I think the future is super bright and there's plenty of opportunity if you want to take advantage of it. So yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you for being on. Thank you for sharing so generously and just walking us through, right, the, the emotional journey that we go on and, and what real business ownership looks like. And, and more importantly, giving us some, some mind shifts in terms of how to think about the practice mm-hmm. and realizing that we can probably do more than we ever imagined. So thank you again for being an amazing guest. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Tim. It's been a real pleasure to, to be with you and your audience today. So I'm really grateful. And to everyone listening, right, we don't want you to just listen. If you just listen to this and you don't take action, you just wasted the last half an hour of your life. We want you to take action. And if you just grab a hold of one or two of these things, if you, you know, download the book, if you take some kind of action, this half an hour may just be the best half an hour you've just spent on your career, but you've got to take action. And if you do that, you're going to make it an amazing day. Until next time, we'll see you again here soon on Dental Wealth Nation. You've been listening to Dental Wealth Nation. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. Join us next time as we pull back the curtain to reveal the often hidden advice and strategies used by today's most successful individuals and families and help maximize your net worth so you can take even better care of the people you love. Till next time, make sure to hit the website at dentalwealthnation.com. 